You're listening to the Fox in the Phoenix podcast, understanding the feminine cross-dressing experience. I'm Savannah Hawk, dual gender male to female crossdresser, LGBTQ plus advocate, TEDx speaker, and author of the Living with Crossdressing book series. And I'm Julie Rubenstein, proud ally and co-founder of BoxandHanger.com, a feminine styling and life coaching service for cross-dressers and transgender women. Hey, Julie. Hi, Savannah. How are you? I am very sniffly, and I don't feel good, and I just want to go to bed. Oh. Yes. I've had a poor Aww. week. I know. Thank you. I've had a... And let me complain some more so I can get some more awes. I didn't sleep yeah. well this week, so this weekend I've been trying to catch up, but yet the dogs keep waking me up, and I have to keep taking them out, and then I go back to bed, mm-hmm. and then I try to get some more sleep, and then it just, it's been a, a mess, and the allergies right now are crushing me with, like, nasally decongestion, so I apologize mm. to the listeners for having to hear a very nasally voice from my side, so I'll do my best and try not to breathe all heavy, because <laughs> I can't breathe, be all mouth breathing. <laughs> But other than that, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the midst of editing my fiction book. So the Living with Crossdressing 3 is currently under peer review by some professionals. And I'm waiting to hear back from them. And unfortunately, I can't do squadoosh until they give me that feedback. So I pivoted and went back to the dystopian, queer, sci-fi fiction I was writing. And... That was the one that had 25 different bullet points from a publisher slash agent friend of mine who said, hey, Mm. it's not really my jam and my genre to promote, but here's a whole bunch of things that you could do to make it better that she felt it needed. And I was like, okay, cool. And that was like last year sometime when I keep saying I was going to have all these projects done. So I'm now working on that project again by just doing editing. I'm just doing online AI editing, there's this product called Grammarly that you yeah. s- you stick your a chapter into it and it dazzles you with everything you did wrong. And so I'm just doing it bit by bit by bit. And I'm about 330 pages of the 600 pages it is. Yes, people, I wrote a 600-page wow. book thinking that youth of America is going to be like, hey, this sounds like a great thing to get into right off the bat. So And I still have to do all those bullet points and all those things that add to the story and make it richer. So I may be coming back to you, dear Julie, and saying, hey, do you think it'd be a good idea to just split this book into three and make it a trilogy because it's 900 pages now? So we'll see how that goes, but that is where I'm at at the moment. I don't even want to edit yet. I don't know what I want to do, but I know it needs to be more. And I think by being more, it's going to have to be like a saga where I just do these little pocketbooks up 250 pages and just push them out every six months. That is a lot. That is a (laughs) lot, a lot, a lot. And before I get into my own personal journey about what's going on with me, I just want to backtrack. Did you actually use the word esquidouche? I did. That's exciting. I like that word. That's exciting. I mean, in the, what is it? Three and a half, four years we've known each other. Wow, has it been that long? It's been. Uh, I've never heard you say spadoosh, but I literally love it. Well, it's from Kung Fu Panda, so I can't take all the <laughs> I can't, well, I can't take all the credit for it, but I do like saying it because it's cute. Nice. Okay. So what's been going on with me, my sweet Savannah, my dear listeners? So I finally finished my preschool year and Remy finished her elementary school experience which she's on to middle school which we will get back to I'm sure at some point during the episode as it relates to the topic but I am not as masterful when it comes to handling so many different creative endeavors at once like you are my dear Savannah and I to all the newer listeners that are also my work colleagues, shout out. I'm glad that you jumped on this fabulous world I'm in of the Fox and the Phoenix podcast, but I am very excited to take a little bit of a break from teaching, even if I feel like I've created a delicious schedule as a floater, the perfect schedule. I feel Fox and Hanger has been 
I don't know. I don't like to use the word side project because it is so much of who I am. It is my world. It is my life. But I am so excited for the summer where I am having a teacher's gift to oneself. And that is taking some time off to be able to refocus on the lookbooks, on connecting with clients in a more meaningful way, meaning I'll have the bandwidth to take on maybe more style consultations and more just be able to focus on it and have it be my main squeeze as a part. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do. I'm I getting like all jumbled in my work. No, you're in my work. words. Sorry. But yeah, that's, it's a gift. It really is a gift. And I gave myself these past few days to just sit on the couch so long and watch so much TV till my body is just like, you're bored. And then just leap into the world and get started on my creative process. It's my reboot. Fun. Yeah, I hear you because that's what we did yesterday. We spent most of the day in the morning. We did some gardening. We did some weed pulling. We sat outside for a bit. I did some editing as well. And Judy was doing some stuff. And I had my waxing appointment yesterday. Yeah. Now, my, my technician, Kay, said to me, your leg hairs are showing up. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> what are you saying to me? Because I don't know what that actually means, what you kids are saying. And she's like, no, what I mean is that like they're coming right out, like just easy peasy. The wax goes on, the hair comes out. They're not mm. trying to stay on my body. So that was a good thing. So I thought that was cool. And then afterwards, I spent probably 20 minutes talking to the front counter girls about horror movies. So, mm. so I was just having a great time, came home, brought home dinner, we ate dinner, and like what you just said, what you allowed yourself to have, we spent hours watching The Great on Hulu, which is about Catherine mm. the Great of Russia, but in a very campy, over-the-top way. And about three episodes in, I was like, man, I need to stop reclining. I need to, I felt my body was just like, stop being prone and potatoing. Mm -hmm. And I just, I mean, I didn't stop <laughs> being a potato, of course not. but I did feel like, wow, this is a lot. This is a lot of downtime. And I feel that pull to, to be more productive. So yeah, I feel you. I definitely know how you feel where you're like, you allow yourself that. And then after a while you're like, eh, I feel like I should be doing something. This seems like a little too much. Yeah. And I think for me, who is such an introvert slash extrovert, apparently I read something on it. Holla. I really dedicate my being to these kind of letting down times where I can just rest. But I'm starting to realize that really resting does not involve scrolling on your cell phone. Mm. And that actually can create some stimulus that doesn't release those kind of important psychic vitamins that comes when you truly rest. Yeah. yeah. Truly. So yeah, I, I'm glad to be here. I feel rested, speaking of rest, I feel rested and rejuvenated. And I feel like even if you and I sound a bit more sniffly than usual, <laughs> we're still here. We're ready to get started. We're ready to up, up the energy valves and yeah, hopefully give you guys a great, you gals, a great show. So if you're ready to get started, uh, yeah, I right. am. And I just want to say to you, my dear Julie, you're beautiful. You Aww. look beautiful. Your hair is red and fantastic. Don't have a stitch of makeup on. So thank you for noticing my natural beauty. You are beautiful. And speaking of beauty, that was my segue into this topic because I'm picking it this week. Enough about heels from last week. Now we're talking about the rest of us. And the reason why I bring this up is because a few weeks ago, and I think I shared this with you, probably a few weeks ago as well, there was a summary for a New York Times article entitled Always Well-Groomed by Rhonda Gerlich. And I just read the synopsis or this little excerpt of it, and I'm like, sounds like something we should probably talk about. So without further ado, I will read that excerpt for us all so we can discuss and work through it a little bit. So it says... But, of course, grooming has another more common meaning referring to the everyday habits we perform to be socially presentable. While men practice grooming, 
the process for women is far more complicated, involving myriad products and learned techniques, from hairstyling to skincare, makeup to manicures. Grooming is part of beauty culture. And despite feminism strides, the importance of beauty has not materially diminished in women's lives. The message of beauty's urgent importance bombards us incessantly from every beauty blog, TikTok makeup tutorial, fashion magazine, weight loss fad, anti-aging treatment, Hollywood actress profile, and beauty contests. And in parentheses, it said the Miss American organization held its 100th anniversary competition this week, marking a century of young women lining up to be judged before a crowd. <laughs> I read that excerpt because I think either I saw it or something forwarded it to me, and I was like, Ugh. <laughs> and I say ugh because I know you and I have talked about beauty before episodes here and there. I know we've talked about being a slave to fashion and beauty. Even last week, we talked about heels and why we wear heels a lot of the times because we're trying to embody the feminism uh, and feministic kind of aura of what we're trying to, to elicit in a public view. And it just got me thinking just about me and am I a slave to what fem what feminine looks like who how am I a slave to it what is my truth do you know is it true that the like you said the joke last week what's the difference between a cross-dresser and a transitioning person is that the, what the <laughs> shoe looks like the lower the heel yeah comfortable shoes yeah comfortable shoes and was that where I should be should I allow myself to be like, I don't need to hit this mark, this a mark that I've created in my head based on everything that was in this excerpt? Am I like fooling myself into believing what feminine goddess energy looks like and should look like? What's your thoughts? Yeah, it's a really, it's a really interesting conversation because Things have definitely shifted in the past couple of years. And I took down this note and I said, pandemic, I wrote pandemic let go and pandemic rise. And what those couple words mean to me is the fact that when the pandemic started, we were all very much stripped when it came to, let's say, having people come in and do professional makeup for oneself when it came to how you put on your face to show up for the world. The world literally was like, you're not leaving the house. We're sheltering in place. So we are going to strip you down. And we got a chance to view celebrities at their house in a very, very stripped down version, almost to the point of discomfort, almost to the point of, okay, that's what Michelle Pfeiffer looks like. I mean, she's beautiful, but like, wow. They definitely, they meaning the world, broke down that, that airbrush wall when it came to beauty and how people showed up. I think celebrities felt very empowered as the paparazzi kind of died off and celebs kind of reclaimed this sense of, well, if I show the intimacy of my home, the intimacy of the fact that I'm scared, I'm vulnerable, I haven't, this is what I truly look like. Well, then people don't own my image. I own my image. I own my home. This is the most private and vulnerable and scary I can get because I'm not above it all. I'm among all of you. I don't know what's going on. You had very unedited versions of the news where people were suddenly at home. They didn't have people coming into their house with cue cards and all that kind of polished effect was stripped down to this beauty that I wouldn't even identify as quote, natural beauty. I would identify it as bare bones, the rough cut beauty. And it was really refreshing and it was really jarring, I'd say. But then as soon as there was this let go, there was also, as the years progressed and as shelter in place opened up just a little bit to creativity 
and to people doing hair dye tutorials. We had Terry Thatcher at her house dyeing her roots in her bathroom using product and marketing was turned on its access. It went from a very bare bones state to a sense of, of creativity and curiosity. And what can I do at home? What can I do with eggs and products I have at my home to create these beauty ideas and people were tuning into their iPhones in a different kind of way. So after that kind of boom, when it came to influencers, we have this idea of, wow, products I can pay. These companies are saying I can pay lots of money for this kind of bare bones look people at their house who are selling billions of products by putting them all on. And they're not just putting one product on, they're putting like five. And they're saying, this is the standard of beauty. This is how I leave my house. I hate follow or dislike follow rather this one beauty influencer that I tried to pull her up before this episode, but she literally puts on the amount of concealer or foundation that one would put on if they were at the Dead Sea in Israel and putting all this mud on their face. I mean, it literally is so much makeup that they turn their cheek. This is what's trendy now. Turn their cheek and put so much makeup and they rub it all in. And suddenly at the end of the tutorial, they're this like high gloss looking model that you, that you at home is like, wow. I have to use half a tube of foundation to look that way at the very end. So just to think about the kind of evolution of the influencer and how it came to be, I think now it feels like with social media as the most powerful tool, worse, worse than it was before. And before the beauty standards were on magazines and the idea of how to achieve acceptance when it came to being a woman, well, you had your high heels. Now the high heels are, now the prototype for what is in is sexy shoes that are also comfort-based. So I think we've gone back in time. We've moved forward. We're in a very weird space. But as I end the soapbox, to think about you personally and to think about our listeners personally and think about, am I a slave to it? to femininity? Is there less that I can do? Is there more that I can do? It's tricky, I'd say, because you come to being a football player, having to wear certain amounts of uniform, you wear a helmet to protect yourself, you wear shin guards and all this kind of accoutrements to show up in the world and feel protected. And I think that when it comes to visually switching genders, there are certain things I feel are protectors, are needed to achieve this uniform. And so it's very tricky. I think all of us as humans, regardless of our biology, how we choose to present our gender, all that stuff, we are being bombarded at a really high and fast rate with so many beauty standards that are not only non-achievable, but you're, wow, if I could just get this, I will master looking beautiful. Get this, she's putting a whole thing of foundation on her face and then she's beating it down. So by the end of the clip, you're like, wow, she actually looks more natural than how she started. So while the male to female cross-dresser may do all that stuff to, to achieve this look past dysphoria, to achieve the ultimate feminine vibe, I feel like little girls and women are also at that stage where they're doing so much to achieve that feminine vibe, whether they're already there or not. It's sad. Yeah, it is sad. And I'll take you even back further in time because we all know that feminine beauty and products and corsetry and all these gadgets for women to use or to apply or to do has been going on for centuries, right? This is not something yeah. new. But as we came into the 20th century, you're right, magazines, catalogs, those were the primary source of how you would find what beauty is. And we always looked up to the avant-garde, we always looked up to the high society, the socialite worthy people that we looked at in the 20s, 30s, 40s, starlets, 
as movies came into vogue, whether silent or something other than a piano player to provide music when it became sound. And all of a sudden, those were our idols and what we looked up to and those things we could never achieve in quote unquote real life. And then Cosmopolitan and God knows what other magazines out there that were like what we all were drawn to every month where we just skim through all the pages, 10 ways to be this and five ways to don't mm-hmm. do that. And the covers were always gorgeous. And that was going on through modeling and fashion and going through the 80s and 90s. And I think in the 90s, 1990s, is where we really started this cracking mm-hmm. open of what beauty was. If you recall, there was a point in time of a few years where everybody was put on notice of, oh, you airbrushed that. Oh, you oh, did yeah. you use Photoshop to make her waist smaller. Oh, you airbrushed abs on her. Or you repositioned her whole body using stretching in Photoshop. And all these things that we were giving access to either sensationalized or not we were given access to this she never looked like that and then all of a sudden there was this very natural look that was presented after that in response to oh you feel that we are we are lying to our public inauthentic yeah inauthentic what we show you we'll start doing all this natural looking things but yet even that like you said to this one tiktok person you're putting on just as much makeup to look as natural as you think somebody looks but it's not natural. It's not bare skin. Not like what you are doing today. Like you said, was I, I don't have any product on today and you still look gorgeous. Long story short, and I want to say one more thing, which is like Trevor Noah from The Daily Show. He has now passed the torch on to other people for that show. But during the pandemic, we all saw him at his home with his hair like super froed out. Right. Sometimes facial hair. He's always wearing a hoodie. And he was doing the news yeah. from his New York apartment. Which is, again, that was another way that we were saying the stripped down way of still bringing in that star into our homes. But in a way, is well, I can't go into a studio. I can't have a studio off. Can't have a studio audience. But I still want to have a show. I still want to pay my people. So I'm going to just do it from here. And this you're going to get what you get. And I thought that was right. very refreshing as well. But yet, in the same way, like you said, with social media, and these influencers and these YouTube tutorials and Instagram's influencers and TikTok influencers, there's now this, both things are happening. Let me show you how natural you can look by using makeup. Like, oh, you don't have freckles? Let me put in 5,000 freckles on my face and then blend that all in. And look, I have this natural look that took me an hour to perfect. And then you still have the very high femme Let's take this eyeliner, let's take this eyeshadow and make you the most top-end runway model you possibly can. So we're getting a lot of it now in both directions, but yet it still seems to be a direction, at least for women and girls, that's, hey, in order to achieve this natural look, you need to use all these products to achieve it because your natural look, bare, is not good enough. So use all these products to perfect your natural look. So that being said, I want to bring it back to me, which is what you also had done at the end of your point, was that what does that mean to me as a male-to-female cross-dressing male where, like you said, I am using the art of makeup to perfect a feminine ideal in my head as protection, as something that's going to be both let me blend in and stand out, make me feel beautiful for myself, but also pass the sniff test if somebody were to just walk by me if i'm not in conversation and speaking and that you know i struggle with this all the time because one i'm very dysphoric i always feel that i'm never hitting the mark i'm never going to be beautiful enough i'm never going to be pretty enough i'm never going to be feminine enough and it scares me it scares me that i'm like always chasing something that's not real or something that I know I can't achieve. I know my body, you've seen you've seen my body in person. I'm very broad shoulders. I got a little bit of extra weight. I do not have a very slim feminine build. So there are some things that like I'm constantly trying so hard, even not just face, but like body with compression and like shapewear and padding and all the things I try to do to make sure that in my head I'm passing. And it's something that I'm always chasing after. And like, no, 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 I can't leave the house unless I'm 
I'm fully on point. I can't, you know, the strain can't be out of place before I like walk out this door. And am I overthinking it? Am I being too hard on myself? Am I being unrealistic? See, it's such a, there's such a fine line in terms of what is healthy, what is okay, and what for you personally is too much. For example, if an hour to put on your face feels like too much, if you wish you would get it done quicker, because to be honest, there is a certain point to make an example after 45 minutes where it's good enough, but yet you continue to convince yourself it's not, well, then that's the work. That's something to be examined. And you talk to me a lot about this in my business, the more efficient and the quicker and the with ease and the less strain we can put on ourselves, the better. So that's something to put in account in terms of, am I putting too much time in this? perfecting your craft rather. Now, now just thinking about that in itself, like perfecting your craft, what does that mean? Does that mean putting more effort into a certain area so that you spend three hours now because you've perfected your eyeshadow finally? Or does perfecting your craft mean that you're open to setting a 40-minute timer and seeing what good enough looks like? Yeah in terms of the steps. I don't know, but I think that if applying makeup and doing all the steps feels to you like a meditation, if it feels like part of your creative process, if it feels like something you need when it comes to creative transfer transformation, then that's something that deserves love and care. If it's not frustrating the people around you, I think that acceptance is also a part of it. But when it comes to this unachievable quest for perfection, I think it can be really hard because even now with social media, which is how many of our cross-dressing dual gender sisters, they count on that. Many cisgender women count on that which that being the use of filters and realizing that, oh, even if I feel like my makeup's on point, and if, even if I feel super confident in the lighting and everything is gorgeous, well, you know what? My confidence is going to be experiencing a little bit more shredding, a little bit more self-doubt because you know what? I've got a filter or at least I can edit it. I have to edit it. I mean, to me, when people add no filter, that just shows that the most amount of people that post use some sort of filter. So excuse the perception of how someone looks or how we want to show up in the world. Well, we have to use a filter because our real self is just too disturbing. <laughs> and that's hurtful. Yeah, yeah. And that, that brings me back to my daughter. And the fact that she is entering middle school and the fact that I told her, I said, beyond the cell phone conversation, which is something I'm still trying to figure out. I said, when it comes to social media and middle school, I don't want you to have to worry about it because it's not an option for you. I want you to have a fighting chance when it comes to building confidence and self-esteem. So don't even worry about it because you are not going to have it. Look, I'm not naive. I know that she's going to be influenced by her friend's social media stuff and all that kind of stuff. That's fine. I mean, I didn't even have to bring it up to her pediatrician. She brought it up to me when she said, just so you know, if you as a parent choose not to put your child, not to have your child or allow your child rather to have social media, your child will not be a piranha. She said, there are other parents that are making that choice. I'm sorry. Do you mean a pariah? Yeah. Did not I say a piranha? A piranha. <laughs> it, wait, is a piranha something like a fish that like yeah. eats? That's like a flesh eating fish. Well, I mean, uh, metaphorically, she will not be a piranha, <laughs> but yeah, I appreciated that because I didn't even mention the discussion. She was just reviewing what she reviews for her development with parents. Which is and crazy. So, 
which is crazy. Yeah. That your pediatrician now has that in their bag of things to talk about as your child's developing. I didn't even have to mention it. And the fact that I could mention that Remy heard and she received that information and that I felt validated as a parent in my bones that this is a boundary that I am setting regardless of any of my closest friends setting the same boundary because they don't. And so when I say it, it just feels like not all of them. I have friends that are that have children that are in a similar situation in terms of age, but not many. My nearest and dearest have chosen different things, but this is something that is at a gut level because I know that it's toxic and it's dangerous. And it's something that as, as a tribe, we need to be wary of that this isn't just biological males that are trying to be like a female. So they're tacking on these unrealistic beauty standards of what they saw when they were their biggest crush in the 19, when they were 19 or or whatever it was, this is real. This is toxic. This is elevated on a high def, if you will, in terms of how to protect our self-esteem and self-worth. Yeah. And I don't know if I have any answers at all. I know that, like you said, is proliferating all over the place. It's been a standard that we've been taught to strive after for decades upon decades. And again, this is not something new. This has been going on for hundreds of years, but it's just worse. It's faster. I think you said that. It's like, it's just coming at us so fast now. There's so much content. Yep. There's so many influencers. There's so many ways to approach things that even the beauty product people are creating things. They're like, oh, use this foundation for a more natural look. They're getting us to buy into the natural because that's what kind of has been exposed, like you said, over these last few mm-hmm. years of a stripped down natural, but you know, we don't want our product to not be used on your face. So we'll say, Hey, use this because it's even and natural and blah, blah, blah. So we can't ever get away from the need to be striving for X, the need to strive for X, whatever that X is, that X factor, that beauty pinnacle is always something. I think I'm always going to change Unfortunately, I think I'm always going to be very dysphoric as a man trying to look like a woman specifically again i'm very binary yeah in my non-binaryness i am very much i have a male persona and i have a female persona and that female persona i want to look as feminine as possible therefore i must do all these things i've been taught and to believe is what beauty should look like and i'm trying how quickly can i put on my face what does that look like it doesn't really take me an hour then i say well it really doesn't take me an hour really if you put in showering and shaving and moisturizing, putting on my clothes before I even get to the vanity. Those things all take time too. So that's 25, 30 minutes just to do all of that. Can I put my face on in a half hour? Yes, I can. I think I can. If I really time myself, I could. And like you said, how much is too much or how much is incrementally not worth the effort? If my eyeliner game and my eyeshadow game is on point, you know, how much is perfect? And how much is just trying to be too perfect and you spend 25 minutes to get maybe 3% better look. And so is that thing where I have to temper it. And I think I have contourings a lot faster. I spend a lot of time on my eyes still. But I think facially, I'm able to put things on with different sponges and make sure they're wet. The only thing I do really still worry about is flakiness or cakiness, mm-hmm. make sure that it's smooth. And I'm still perfecting that after all this time, because at the end of the day, I don't want it to look like I, I want a natural look. I want it to look like I don't have makeup on. I just want that smooth complexion, everything perfect. Right. So I think if I get that down of like a little bit less makeup, less coverage, but still smooth and contoured, I think I'll be very happy. So that's that one last barrier I'm fighting to get through or over in my look. I've looked at airbrushes that do foundation but that's just a whole other skill I don't think I'm ready for. I could put more luminescent powder on to bake it. Right now I use a liquid sprayer to set it. So I could probably do a couple of different things, but yeah, here I am talking about the process of achieving beauty versus being just happy with what I have. So 
trying to be out in the world as a woman when you are biologically male and not on hormones and not planning on doing anything different, it's, I think it sometimes is more of a challenge. I don't have the hormones uh, softening my skin and changing my complexion and changing the fat deposits on my face in a more feminine way. So I think it is sometimes a little bit tougher. Well, you mentioned a good point, and that's, you know, working with what you have. And what you have is a male canvas that you are adding femininity to. So I can understand how that can be more of a challenge or takes much more care when it comes to feeling like you're putting your best foot forward. And even if, like you've mentioned in the past, people see you as a man in a dress, well, at least you got the memo right? At least you're doing the best of your ability and showing up in a respectful way, regardless of the world's view of you, whether you pass or not, at least you want to present in the best possible light. I think that's protection. I think that's honorable. And you know, what woman doesn't want to look and feel her best and beautiful? I think that's something that also needs to be brought to this conversation today is the idea when it comes to grooming that it's not just brushing out your wig and it's not just applying makeup and caring for yourself in that way, but it's putting on SPF sunscreen to fight aging that will, that will make you appear more youthful cleansing your skin with the appropriate cleansing products that don't have all these chemicals, using serum, all those self-care things that can be tacked onto the grooming process, I think is also important. So if maybe upping the time when it, that it comes to prepping the skin and the time after you dismantle everything that is Savannah, using getting a nice cleanser, maybe using a serum, I think that is a healthful way to approach grooming in a way that is going to give you confidence and self-love and maybe even give you a smoother palette when it comes to makeup application so you won't appear with your biggest fear at the forefront, so to speak, which is feeling cakey or feeling all this different stuff. You can feel like, okay, on top of all this makeup, I have a layer of sunscreen that's going to protect from the sun, that's going to create less lines and wrinkles and sun damage so that I won't have to keep on thickening my foundation or using beard coverage in a way that it wasn't meant for, but in an anti-aging spot. So I think that thinking about your female presentation in terms of longevity and anti-aging is something that has been more important to me over the years. How can I protect my skin? How can I invest in products? I have this C Ferulic SkinCeuticals. It's almost like a serum, but it smells a little bit like canned peaches or a little bit of an orange juice smell. And it's supposed to protect your skin from all the free radicals out there in the world, like the smoke, the sun, the smog, all the stuff that is out there affecting your skin. So I just put that underneath my sunscreen and then upping that to your process when it comes to grooming isn't also a better way to look at it in terms of your process and the time we put into our femininity, if that all makes sense. And I want to make that the one point that I'm hearing long clear about that is you had said grooming, because even in my male form, I'm very slanted when it comes to application of any kind of product or serum or moisturizer. It's always before and after Savannah time. I don't have a daily regimen. I don't have a daily moisturizer I put on in the morning before I go to work. I don't, I do stay out of the sun. That's one of my primary things. I like to stay out of the sun. I don't want to get speckled and freckled and burnt. So that I do care for on the hundred percent all day, every day, but I don't have a, a routine. I don't have something I'm like, all right, let me take a look at these little, have some cucumbers on my eyes to make sure that the bags are receded. I should do that. And I am looking at upping that game, which like you said, will help my feminine side because I, my skin will be tighter. My skin will be softer. So if I do that every day, not just for Savannah day, that would be a boon for me and probably will make me feel better, make my ability to achieve my femininity more achievable. So yeah, thank you for that. Like the rolling things that you can put in the freezer and just roll that, on your yeah, skin. Judy has one of those and I, I see it and I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this thing? Yeah, they're great. 
or like the Bure nose strips. The, those are simple things, the, the Crest white strips. So those are simple things that can, yes, tap into your confidence when it comes to your overall appearance and your heart space when it comes to your femininity, but it also can give care on a whole body way that kind of taps into both Chuck and Savannah, right? both the male and the female, or can give listeners that how can I add femininity when I'm not dressed? Well, that's one of the ways of that self-care up that to me feels very feminine, but you know, that's tapping into the stereotype. It feels very human when it comes to self-care and upping that and investing in that. I mean, you are the most important investment is yourself. And what are the ways? What can I do? Am I taking vitamins? Do I need to take vitamins? Why do people take vitamins? All that kind of stuff can add some mindfulness and some healthfulness to an otherwise materialistic, sometimes shallow, chasing this unachievable ideal of beauty, which is just to sell products. These YouTube influencers, and I know I'm not saying something that I haven't said dozens of times on this podcast, but like these influencers are given free products or they're paid to use as many products as possible. So the person watching this video already feels bad. That's the intention, whether it's stated or not. And they're told that in order to achieve, to look like this person, you need to wear all these different layers and buy all these products. And that's just not true. I hope that someday we can get to a point like we did, I forget what year decade you said or what years you said where we were able to look at a magazine as that's not real or distracted by the amount of airbrush used it it makes me think of this martha stewart sports illustrated magazine that is trying to be this like wow historical thing she's 81 but is so toxic because most people don't look that way at 81. She doesn't look that way at 81 because they use a ton of airbrush or she's had a ton of work done. So good for her. But like there are 65-year-olds that look 30 years older than her. And it's just, I get the message, but do you get the message? Like which message? Where are we as a society? What speaks louder? The fact that, wow, this is a really, wow, 81 and on Sports Illustrated, good for you. You look hot at this age. Or is that a giant scab that we're exposing as to beauty standards and how dysfunctional that is and how bad we feel about ourselves. That really was striking to me when I saw that image. I was really triggered by it. And I know a lot of women were. I don't know about the dual gender individuals or the cross-dressing individuals, but on behalf of a biological woman and all the history that I've had with feeling less than, that is fucked up. That image of her, it's not real, ladies. It's not. And it's not something that you should think is a realistic standard for your significant other. Because this is what Martha's doing. Or I want to look like Martha at this age. Or there's a lot of 81-year-olds, I've yet to see them on Instagram that look that good. So that's what I'm going to strive for. It's toxic. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And that while I have already lamented about chasing endlessly this perfection, I will say that I am trying to be the best me because somebody asked me the other day, thank you for all that. I know that was very triggering for you about (laughs) beauty and the chasing of beauty affects you and probably more so chasing for your daughter and what that might look like. For me, somebody had asked me, who's my role model? And I had said, oh my God, Linda Carter, Wonder Woman in the eighties. I loved her. She was But that was my idol. That wasn't my, what I'm trying to strive to look like. So I thought, interestingly enough, is like, I don't have something I'm trying to look like other than trying to look feminine. I don't say I need to look like this specific person. And if I don't, I fail. But I do try very hard to get this general concept of what I feel beauty is or passability is or femininity is. 
And that's what I'm looking for. So it's a hodgepodge of like, I'm just trying to do the best for my face and do what's best for me because I can't like say, oh, I have this picture of this woman taped up to my mirror and I need to look like that because I don't. I'm just trying to say, how do I look, take myself and take this cutie little male face and make it feminine? So I will say that in that regard, I'm not chasing an unattainable, like I got to look like Khloe Kardashian or I have to look like, Emma Stone, right? To look like XYZ. I'm not chasing that person, but I am chasing this general sense of it. So in that way, I think I'm least a leg up on understanding, well, I'm never going to be feminine or embody be feminine in all ways, but at least I can do my best by doing all the tricks I've learned. So in that way, I think it's more about me and about what is my face? How can it look its best? So I think that's the key too. It's like, how can I best approach life for me in this face? And it is ritualistic, like you said. It is meditative, like you say, to do the transformation. As long as it don't become work. If it becomes work and you feel like you look at that face when you're all done and you like are unhappy with the results and you hate how you look and you feel demoralized as a quote-unquote woman or feminine, then that's when we have to start really, you know, pumping the brakes a little bit and seeing what we can do different or seeing like maybe our sense of self is skewed. We need to really reel that back in to assess. Well, I know that comparison of any sort is the devil's brew. <laughs> and it is impossible not to as beings. I think that even if you're not chasing an unrealistic, quote, quote, standard of beauty, there's still that comparison. And I think that people, just you being you in terms of, being a leader in this community and in this particular tribe we have, I think comparing others, comparing themselves to you is also something that is the devil's brew. Also the idea that makeup or anything new, whether it be your feminine presentation, makeup, learning an instrument, you're going to be bad in the beginning. And it's going to take a tremendous amount of practice. And I think that you are someone that has spent years perfecting your craft. You went through all the awkward years of not really knowing what you're doing and where you are now. And so now it's it, you're in an interesting space of being able to be like, okay, I'm a little obsessive when it comes to the eyeshadow. How quickly and more efficiently can I do that? Or what kind of look am I trying to achieve? Or whatever it is when it comes to goals. But I also think that we need to pay a little bit of homage and affection and attention to those who are just either overwhelmed by the makeup process, they're overwhelmed by the female to male, sorry, the male to female transformation pro process. And know that the more we can be gentle on ourselves and the more we can know that this is a learning process and we'll continue to get better as we know thyself more and more is something that is worthy as we put this delicious episode into a beautiful bow. And that's that strive for the best sense of who you are and that can change from moment to moment and just be gentle on yourself. If putting on mascara is not something that you're quote good at, well, practice makes perfect. And I didn't really know how to put on mascara well until I was in college. I didn't even wear it because I just, the idea of putting something on my eye and it was awkward and it was fumbly. And I think that that's really worthy in terms of valuing where you are and where you wanna be and cut down when it comes to watching these beauty influencers, watching these YouTube influencers. I think that simplifying your teaching material when it comes to your appearance is important. Agreed. Well said. Thank so you. before we go, though, you have wrapped up this delicious episode in a bow perfectly, but I have some bad news and some sad news I have to share okay. with, with you and the rest of the listeners. We, unfortunately, or fortunately, fortunately for us, are going on a little hiatus. Oh, yes. We, yes. We we keep bringing content as quickly as we can, and we keep striving to be out every Wednesday. 
Bye. It's beginning of summer. And as Joey said at the onset of this episode, a lot of things are changing. We're like moving from our school garb into summer garb and vacationing and different things have been going on. So while we have been able to harness a lot of the uncertain and unforeseen things in previous episodes, especially like with my father, we need a break, both for Julie and for myself, was to recenter and get our legs under us again and be able to really be here for you, our audience. So we are taking a little hiatus like we did last year, but we're doing a little bit more early in the season. We will be back after 4th of July week. So this will be the last one until then. And we may put a little a drop, just a reminder to listen to the old episodes, catch up on anything you haven't, re-listen to episodes, give us feedback for what you like to hear going forward. We always love to hear that. So please know that we love you. We cherish you. We are here for you, our audience. And Julie and I are here for each other as well. And we will basically see you in a little. <laughs> yeah. And I know that whenever we take these little breaks that Savannah and I are still creating beautiful, wonderful content. So when we get back together again as a community that we are going to be kicking ass and taking names and like savannah said we you know where to find us we have so many episodes how many episodes do this, we have this episode once it launches will be our 140th episode which is amazing to me yeah we have 140 episodes what's always fun for me because when we do take these little breaks or hell on a given thursday or friday i like to sometimes go back to earlier episodes and marvel at the growth of these beautiful episodes that came to fruition and now where we stand at this beautiful turning point of our lives. So we are here. You know how to find us on all our favorite listening channels and bye for now. Until next time. You can find me on Facebook at Savannah Hawk or at Living With Crossdressing and on Instagram at Savannah Hawk. Remember, that's H-A-U-K. And to learn more, go to my website, livingwithcrossdressing.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fox and Hanger or at Julie MTF Style, as well as on our website at foxandhanger.com. Julie, it's your moment. <gasps> Fox and the Phoenix podcast uses Anchor copyright 2023. Yes, nailed it. If you enjoy our content and want to make it easier for others to find us, please share with your friends. Tap the subscribe or follow button to the show wherever you're listening. Give it a five-star rating or leave a review. And for show ideas or comments, contact us through the podcast on Facebook at Fox and Phoenix Podcast or on Instagram at the Fox and the Phoenix Podcast underscore.